Grace and peace to you this morning. What a joy to be in worship together. As we gather, let's take just about two or three deep breaths, just a chance to center ourselves in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Standing or sitting, please join me in the call to worship. God calls us to praise and prayer, to song and love. God calls us to hearing and healing, to service and solidarity. Let us, excuse me, let us heed the call of Christ. Let us worship together in praise. may be seated. I too offer you grace and peace in the name of Christ. Welcome to worship here at Westminster. We're glad to have you here, whether you're a longtime member or an infrequent attender or a first-time visitor. Especially if you're visiting with us, we want you to feel like this is a welcoming place and a safe place for you to explore your faith in a loving and supportive community. If you'd like to know more about this church, I encourage you to look around and find someone with a name tag and ask them about it afterwards, or come up to one of us and set up a time to meet. We'd love to get together with you for tea or coffee to get you to know you better and to answer any questions you might have. Also, it would help us and it would help you learn to know one another if you would fill out those uh, attendance registers that are in the pews during the offering. You can fill them out and pass them down and back. That way you can see and greet one another by name, uh, knowing who's worshiping around you. And you can leave your contact information for us if you don't think we have it so we could reach out and make a connection. We do hope you join us after the service uh, for our annual meeting. Typically, I would say there for coffee and refreshments, which you can dash out and grab coffee so you can stay awake for the annual meeting and come back in here and we can do the business of the church together. Shall we join our voices now in our community prayer in your bulletin? Let us pray. 
Loving God, we give thanks that you invite us to share in your creative and healing work. Awaken us to hear what you would say to us. Help us to open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to your call. May we respond to you just as we are, with all our imperfections, knowing that you will guide us. May each one of us be instruments of your grace and love. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Thank you for, I thought that too. Thank you for signaling that, Elizabeth. If ever you can't hear, you are encouraged to give the universal sign for we can't hear you. Uh, if I'm preaching and you can't hear, and you don't want to hear, go like this and then just go. <laughs> I'll turn up the volume when I leave. You're not going to hear much from me today. Uh, one of the ways that we build up our community, not only is that we laugh with one another, and we share the good times, but we also share what's weighing on our hearts or on our community. So in a moment, I'll offer you to share any joys or concerns that you're carrying with you this morning. Just raise your hand and speak up, and I'll try to repeat at least a portion of what you say. I want to lead, which is rare, with a couple of things. I know many of us are rattled by the killing of Tyree Nichols and what that also symbolizes about our culture and some brokenness that we have. And I don't have much eloquent to say about that other than I hurt alongside you and I'd like to help support meaningful change like many of you would. And I encourage you to hurt as well and to work and speak up for meaningful change too. Second, and there's no easy transition from that, I understand. I want to welcome warmly Paul Slyku to Westminster this morning. Paul, would you stand up and give a wave? Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't even know why you're clapping. <laughs> but I love, this is your instinct, is to just clap. I love you. Um, he deserves to be clapped for. Paul is the current moderator of the Presbytery of the Redwoods. And um, Paul, tell us where you're from, where you're living now. So he worships at the Windsor Church, and he lives in Healdsburg, and he is making it part of his mission to visit every church in the presbytery during his time. So what a gift that you would worship with us. And, uh, yeah. That's just terrific. Another person that I can't point out because she's upstairs, but I do want to, it's a joy, and I, she deserves thanks. We have a relatively new office administrator, Lark Halpern. Many of you have met her. Um, this is her first annual report. Uh, those of you who are working on committees know you got a little bit of a later uh, outreach for your due date because we've had a couple of big staff transitions this winter. Uh, she also has um, an aged mother who broke her hip recently, They've moved her into their home. Some of you know exactly what that kind of caregiving is like. And in her minuscule 20 hours, she couldn't quite get it done. And then she shows up this morning on her bike, having worked on it all weekend. She is printing as we speak because she wanted you to have it by the end of the meeting, at the end of worship, even though we said it's okay. Some things we can't get done. If she was here, I was going to have you see her, because not, not all of you have met her. But when you do get to see her, one way or another, please thank her. 
and hold her up in prayer. It's a big transition for her family right now. You can clap, that's fine. Uh, now, enough from me. What are you carrying this morning? What joys or concerns do you have? Yeah, Ruthie. Ruthie prayed beautifully at the 8.30 service about a friend who's at that moment when she probably needs help, but maybe isn't quite in the place to receive or accept that, and that's a journey many share, and God love people like Ruthie for supporting people on that, and I know many of you are in that situation. Elizabeth and Karen. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of caregiving, we give thanks for Sandy Smith, who's been uh, right by her beloved Stan's side as he's undergone uh, this neck surgery and he's doing well and it continues to progress in the process of recovery. Karen. Oh, Karen, I'm sorry. Karen asked for our prayers to cross the pond over to Ireland where her cousin uh, suddenly lost her husband, uh, undergoing what was uh, to be deemed a routine procedure. I'm so sorry. Uh, Joan? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joan. Joan shares concern for her granddaughter who had a type 1 diabetes uh, episode last night and was hospitalized. Did I see Bev? Somebody in the back here. Oh, Steve. No, Judy. Prayers for Judy's niece, who's at the epicenter of a couple of family deaths, trying to hold it together. And some of you know what that's like to be the linchpin in a family. Uh, uh, Sherry, is that Sherry? Sherry. Sherry offers her thanks, and I join her in that. She's my spouse, if you don't know that. Um, sometimes I forget to say that. It sounds, why is he so speaking so intimately about this woman? Um, uh, she's had a, boy, she's been through it the last couple of weeks with a number of medical issues, kidney stone, a biopsy on a tumor. We found out that was um, benign, so that's good, but there's still some ongoing things, and we're really touched by the outpouring of support from this congregation, so thank you for that in so many ways. I saw another hand over Bruce. Yeah, prayers from my neighbor and good friend. Uh, at the beginning of January, she lost her mother. Uh, last Saturday, she lost her son. And yesterday, she lost her dog. Oh, boy. Bruce prays for a neighbor who lost three loved ones in the span of a week, right? Heartbreaking. Yeah, Chris. Prayer for the loss of a loved one in Chris's family. Yeah. yeah. Prayers for you and for your whole family. 
Well, let's come together as one body in pr oh, another one? Oh, Clark, fire away. Indeed. Thank you, Clark. Yeah. Her hands are on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and prayers of joy that she has chosen to spend her hand vacation here in the firewall. Yeah. Um, thank you, Clark, for saying that. We prayed for Patty at 8.30, but she wasn't here, so it's nice to have her here for that in the midst. We give thanks for the gifts of Martha filling in uh, as our accompanist, and Patty underwent uh, carpal tunnel surgery, as you know, which is, makes it hard for an organist. She was so eager to get back. She was practicing, and they said, you got to take another step back, which is super frustrating for a musician. Um, but we're so glad you came to be with us and to sing when you can't play. Let's pray. Holy One, we rejoice in your calling. We rejoice to have a community in which to share what buoys us and to unload when we feel like we're sinking. So thank you for the mysterious gift of a church community as we navigate this world best we can, either in faith or in seeking faith. We ask that you would receive the prayers offered aloud here and also the prayers that are too tender to share in front of someone else. And we offer them as gifts to you. And so now we join our voices as well as our hearts in offering the one prayer that the Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
This time I invite any children here to come down for a time of discovery. I'm going to see if my mic is better, and I'll give Bethany the symbol. How's that? Is that good? Did you turn it up? Yeah, that's pretty good. Wait till next week. Because I talk most of the time next week, so something you're used to at home. I don't always. I talk most of the time three times a month, and Bethany talks most of the time one time a month. That's a good question. Nice to see you all. Welcome. Glad you're at church this morning. And those of you who are staying in your pews, that's fine too. I'm glad you're here as well. I should say, anytime we do a time of discovery, you're welcome up here. But you don't have to come up here. Just like every time we go to Sunday school, you're welcome to go to Sunday school. But you can also stay in worship. It's all open to you. Well, the youngest among you today are going to, in sacred stories, enter the story of the parable of the mustard seed, which is this wonderful little tale that Jesus tells about an idea he has, a vision he has for the world and how the world could look. And he compares that vision spreading to the way a bush spreads. Yeah, my sentiments exactly. What an interesting comparison. So I encourage you to enter that story with wonder And the adults you brought with you, maybe you could help them wonder about it later. I'll talk about the third to fifth graders in a moment. But I want to tell all of you a little bit about what we're going to be doing after this worship service. Because it's pretty cool and it's pretty important. It's the one meeting we have a year as a congregation, ideally at least. And one of the most important things we do at this meeting is we elect leaders for the church. And I want to tell you something that's important for you to know. This is really special. You're part of a tradition where the people don't have leaders forced on them and said, this is your teacher and you're going to listen to him. Not that anybody does it like that, but we don't do it that way. And what we do is we say, you know what? All of you get to pray and get to think and get to talk and decide who our leaders going to be, our leading caregivers, our deacons, and our leading decision makers, our elders, for the year. And the congregation gets to pick who they are. What a gift. It means that we share what makes a good leader, and we decide together who that would be. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, let's let's um, See if we can generate a little bit of a list of what you think makes a good church leader. Is that you asking a question or do you have an answer to that, Liam? Is it relevant? (laughs) Uh, I'll let you think about that before I call on you. Is it relevant to this question? Okay, ask it. It's a great question. Thank you for asking that. He said, am I allowed to be an elder? And not yet, but sooner than you might think. So... We do have two youth every year who serve as elders. So there's still, yeah, Wilson, stand up. There he is. Wilson, Wilson used to come up here and be the kid that answered all the questions, right? Uh, Jeff, is our other one here? Caitlin's not here. Okay. So, So Liam, great question. You still have to be a member to be an elder, and, and for kids, that happens when you go through confirmation class. So yes, you can, great. Thank you for asking that, and having the courage to ask that. Others of you, what do you think might make a good church leader? Yeah, um, Louisa. Respectful to God. Respectful to God, I like that. Uh, Liam, do you have an answer? Um, giving people cake is not terrible. Okay, but what else? What do you, I mean, they, these leaders make really important decisions. They oversee like a million dollars in a year. What do you want those leaders to be like? Or the caregiving leaders? Yes. She wants to say kind. Oh my gosh, I love that. What would the church be like if we didn't have kind leaders? What a terrific answer. Yeah, somebody who hasn't answered yet. Anybody else? You don't have to. Anybody else have an answer? Annie, do you have an answer? It's okay to say no. Okay. What about the rest of you? One or two? Elizabeth. Honest. Yeah, I think it's good to have honest leaders. What else? What? Wise. 
wise. Oh, doesn't the world need wisdom right now? Well, I tell you what, what we're going to do is we're going to pray in a moment uh, that we've chosen the right leaders. And then sometime this year, we're going to take a long time in a worship service simply to pray for who might lead the church in the next year. I realize I've not led us in doing that as much as I should have. So we'll do that. Before we pray, though, I want to say the third to the fifth graders, when we do dismiss, don't sprint out that way because we're not going to the usual place and you're not going with the usual people. You're going to go with me. And what you should do before you meet me in the back is get a jacket if you have one because we're going to go outside for a little bit, okay? Oh, I don't have a jacket. Well, you're going to get cold. So <laughs> can't do everything. Let's pray. Dear God, we give thanks for the gift of this church. We give thanks for our leaders, some of whom are older and some of whom are quite young. We give thanks for the children who are growing up in the faith and yet who teach us things to those of us who are older. We ask that you would be with us this day that we might experience you and we might be made more like Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Ben is in the back to receive our youngers, and I'll take our olders. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere you may go. Scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Our first scripture reading is from Paul's <clears throat> first letter to the Corinthians. Listen for how the Spirit speaks to you through his words. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of subtle birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is, <clears throat> excuse me, what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is, <clears throat> you have to excuse me, my, eye, my eyes are blurry this morning. God chose what is love and depressed, depressed in the world. Things that were not to reduce to <clears throat> nothing, things that are, so that no no one might, I'm very sorry, no one might boast in the presence of God. God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who, become, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and righteousness, order, that is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Our second passage this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them, he called to them, yeah, yeah, called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, y'all can just line up right there, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. He called me, but I did not want to go. I had some business to attend to, private business. I was a self-made person, inspired by the spirit of free enterprise. It took a lot of my time, most of my time. That's the way it is with private business. And he expected me to give it up when he called. Give up my independence and go public. Give up competition and go cooperative. I did not want to go. He called me. I did not want to go. I had some money to attend to, private money. I had inherited a small fortune from my family. I had made fast money in the market. That's the way it can be with private money. And he expected me to give it up when he called, give up my personal wealth and share it around live on less, that others could live on more. I did not want to go. He called me, but I did not want to go. I had a family to attend to, a private family. I was living with people whom I loved and adored and who loved me deeply. That's the way it can be with family. And he expected me to give it up when he called to leave my family and to love everybody, give up caring for just a few people and start caring for the world. I did not want to go. He called me, but I did not want to go. I had my faith to attend to, my own private faith. I was devoted to a God whom I imagined was like me. I worshiped that God my own personal way. That's the way it is with private faith. And he expected me to give it up when called, give up my private faith and make it public, serve God in society and not just in my soul. I did not want to go. He called us, but we did not want to go. We did not want our business, our fortune, our family, our faith to be infected and affected by his touch. Yet, we went. We gave up everything, and we gained the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you, disciples. Wow, lots to think about with all our readings today. I want to start by thinking about that story from Matthew's Gospel, and we'll get to what we just heard. So in the story from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus calls these fishermen to follow him, and according to the story, they follow him immediately. Now this happens two different times. First he calls Peter and Andrew, then he calls James and John, and in following him, they're going to have to give up everything. They're family, their jobs, their livelihood, you know, everything that is familiar to them. And they follow immediately. Now, I don't know about you, but I would struggle to do that. I'm not sure that I could. I would want to take a little time to think about things. You know, I would likely have questions that needed answering. I would probably make a pro and con list to decide what I should do. But the disciples follow immediately. I, Talk about setting a high bar for the rest of us. 
So I will admit to reading this story and perhaps feeling maybe just a little discouraged. You know, these disciples seem to be so much more faithful than me. You know, they don't seem to have any questions. They don't take time to write the pro and con list. You know, if this is sort of what is expected out of discipleship, I wonder if I can really measure up. So, thank goodness for this additional reading from John Bell. John Bell, who imagines four other disciples being called by Jesus. And my favorite line is the line that each character opens with saying, he called me, but I did not want to go. And then they list all of the reasons why following Jesus is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. There are things that they are going to have to give up. You know, there are ways in which they're going to have to think about other people instead of just themselves. You know, they're going to have to rethink how they make decisions, how they prioritize things, if they are going to follow. Definitely not an immediate decision for any of them. And in the end, they do all choose to follow. He called us, but we did not want to go, yet we went, the reading ends. You know, and these four characters really remind us that when Jesus calls us to follow, he's calling us to follow just as we are. You know, with all of our baggage and you know, selfishness, doubts, questions, imperfections, that's who God calls. That's who God loves. That's who God wants to serve. Each one of us, just as we are. If we're still wondering about that, Paul really drives that point home in his letter to the Corinthians. I have to say, if I was one of those Corinthians on the receiving end of this letter, I might be a little offended by Paul. But he makes his point clear. Here's what he says. He says, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. God chose what is foolish in this world. God chose what is weak. God chose what is low and despised. I can imagine the Corinthians reading this letter and thinking, gee, thanks, Paul. Now, gl glad you think so highly of us. But... It really is good news. You know, good news that God doesn't want just a select few to serve. God, there is no limit, no boundary to the depth and breadth of God's love for each and every one of us. There is no one whom Jesus does not call to follow him. You know, as I was reading this letter to the Corinthians this week, the word that really stood out for me, for whatever reason, is foolish. And I think that's because it is a little foolish to follow Jesus. Again, think about these four characters from whom we heard. You know, think about they're giving up money, they're giving up business, family, their personal faith, everything that's comfortable to them to follow. Foolish. You know, Jesus himself tells us that his followers will be persecuted. It will be a challenging journey. Why would anyone sign up for that? Foolish. In fact, that's a good question. Why would anyone sign up for that? Why would someone choose to follow Jesus? Well, John Bell tells us that when we follow Jesus, we gain the kingdom of God. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer on your bulletin cover tells us that discipleship is a journey of boundless mercy. That discipleship is joy. No, there's joy in being foolish. So Cecil Collins was a British artist who wrote an essay many years ago, I think 1947. And his essay is called The Vision of the Fool. And he writes about his vision of April Fool's Day. And this is what he says. April 1st, All Fool's Day, should be celebrated religiously and universally a day of giving away, an unending, foolish, non-rational generosity. 
A day when all the mercies of the year gather to manifest themselves. A day when all people, the successful, the failures, saints, misfits, heroes, weaklings, business folk, artists, are united in the mystical charity of the fool. The fool who, wearing fantastic garments of love, makes wild gestures of tenderness before the suffering of all the living ones in the universe. And here I thought April Fool's Day was about practical jokes. No, the fool who wearing fantastic garments of love makes wild gestures of tenderness. Sign me up for that. Now I found this quote on the website for a ministry called Faithful Fools. They're actually based in San Francisco, and uh, much of their ministry is focused on uh, people who are living on the streets. Um, so they do direct ministry with those who are unhoused, and then they do a whole lot of advocacy and educational and justice type work. And they are very clear to call their staff and their volunteers fools. In fact, their staff page on their website is titled Fools on Staff because they realize that what they're doing is foolish, right? It's foolish to be this small grassroots organization thinking that you can change a big oppressive powerful systems and structures. You know, it's foolish to offer your love and your generosity to people who may not want it, may not return it. It's foolish to think, what's that quote again? To think that you can make a wild gesture of tenderness and have that make a difference in someone's small corner of the world. Foolish. And they have followed that call. They have followed that call and will celebrate their 25th anniversary in April. And I would guess they would tell you that those 25 years have certainly been filled with challenge, with difficulties. But I would also guess that they would tell you that those 25 years have been filled with boundless mercy and with joy. So continuing on thinking about this fool, I don't know if any of you know anything about tarot cards. I don't. That's totally a, a mystery to me. But I was doing some research and I found that there is a tarot card that is called the fool. And I read the description and I, I thought it was so interesting. So I want to share it with you here. So the fool tarot card is a card of new beginnings, opportunity, and potential. Even though you don't know exactly where you are going, you are being called to commit yourself and follow your heart, no matter how crazy this leap of faith may seem. As you undertake this journey, the fool encourages you to have an open, curious mind and a sense of excitement. Be ready to embrace the unknown, leaving behind any worry or anxiety about what may or may not happen. Take that leap of faith, even if you don't feel 100% ready or equipped for what is coming. What are you waiting for? Do you think you need to have everything mapped out before you can begin? See, I would answer yes to that. <laughs> but the fool says no way, not with the fool. He ventures out on his journey with just his essential belongings, and now he invites you to do the same. You don't need to wait for someone to give you the green light or hold off until you have all the school skills, tools, and resources you think you need. You are ready. So I read that description, and then I thought about those disciples that Jesus first called. And I wonder, I wonder if they followed Jesus immediately, not because they had their act together, but because they knew it was okay to not have their act together. You know, I wonder if they followed immediately, not because they were doubt-free, but because they did have questions and they yearned to learn more and know more. You wonder if they followed immediately, not because it was easy to leave their families and their jobs, their livelihood, but because 
they knew that despite those challenges, there would also be mercy and joy. And they chose to follow not because it was logical, but because foolishly following Jesus was truly the only choice that made sense for them. So we heard our anthem this morning, coincidentally also written by John Bell, who wrote our monologues. And the anthem opened with the line, will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Now Jesus is calling our names all the time, not calling us to perfection or to doubt-free existence or to be powerful or wise. No, Jesus is calling us to follow in his way of love and justice and mercy and joy. May we be the ones to foolishly follow. Amen.
You may be seated. Usually during this time, I share announcements with you. Um, instead, I'm just going to tell you to invite you to read the back of your bulletin. And instead, I'm going to invite forward Carol Kaufman, who has a few things to share with us. And while she comes forward, I'm going to fix our camera. I think people watching us at home have been watching us crooked. So. <laughs> This is a hard act to follow today with all of this, um, the great sermon and that illustrative way we did the, um, that Bethany and all of you did the um, verses today. Um, I'm here today um, to talk about a couple of the things, hopefully quickly, because I know we've got to get on to the meeting. Um, but I wanted to say, start by saying that two of my favorite Bible verses are Matthew 25:40 and Micah 6:8. Um, do justice, love kindness, or have mercy, walk humbly with your God. And these two Bible verses speak to me in seeking justice for those who are vulnerable, those who need care, those who are the least of our brethren. And I may be liberal in my interpretation and mixing of these scriptures, and you would be correct if you said so, but I still draw out purpose and meaning from these two passages. This church, Westminster, has demonstrated time and again the caring for people and for justice. Over the years, you have supported many organizations through the Alternative Christmas Fair. You've housed the homeless, fed the hungry, through the rest program and many the many meal programs that we have offered. You have sent teams of people, both young and old, to mission trips to San Diego, to New York, to Mississippi, to Louisiana, to Lake County, and more recently, Kentucky. You've sent groups of learners to border links trips, led by Barb Rowe, to Arizona to see firsthand the issues confronting our nation and our borders. You've sponsored a family of immigrants from Kosovo, and you've employed a migrant from El Salvador, our beloved Jesus. You have given generously to diaper duties and to many other programs. I could go on and on about the ways in which you have served the vulnerable and the migrants in our midst, here in our county and in the broader Bay Area. You've helped those who are detainees in our jails, those encountering disasters, those with severe medical issues. Today, I want to call out a couple of groups who are meeting the needs of the emotionally and mentally challenged and those of the transgender community. If you are on the cooking team for Voyager Carmel, we are delivering food today one of the monthly burrito dinners. I'd like for you to stand if you're one of those people that helped today. We have 11 people that do this once a month, and some of them, Sandra Masson being one of them, has been serving more than 15 years, I'm sure, on this, on this team of people. I started working with it about then, and I know Sandra preceded me, so I don't know how many years it's been. Um, the second group I want to call out today is the group of people that helped serve food last week to the transgender community, those seeking gender confirmation surgery through the TransHeartline House in San Anselmo. So if you're one of those people, would you stand up, please? So that brings me to the reason that I wanted to come speak to you today. Um, for some time now, we have maintained an email list. Um, I guess I should say I have maintained an email list, a little bit secretively, um, for those that might be interested in helping with some of these issues, and more importantly, with issues around migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. Um, uh, many times the things that I send on are a mere message from somebody who will go unnamed in our congregation but has the initials BR. Um, yeah. But I tend to send those along and that list has 37 names on it and you may be one of them. But today what I'm asking for is if you want to be, we'd like to build that list. We'd like to increase the numbers on that list. By putting your name on the list and giving us your email doesn't commit you to doing anything. It only gives you the opportunity to see what 
others of us may be doing in the community and that you might find a way to join us from time to time in some of those efforts. Again, I, um, I uh, want to make sure that you know that we're not asking you to commit by giving us your name. We won't send you a thousand emails a week. We won't become spam email. It'll be important only emails and it'll be opportunities to serve others. Um, I, I want to close with something that came up to me as I was watching. Um, well, before I close, I want to also shout out Cafe Justo, if I could for a moment. Uh, many of us that were on a Borderlinks trip um, were able to uh, visit Cafe Justo in Agua Prieta, Mexico, and we are serving their coffee from a coffee cooperative there every Sunday. And this is an opportunity to help people who live in Mexico and are co-op farmers to bring their beans to a roaster and to have them roasted and then turned into coffee and shipped here and to other churches and other places. Um, and that helps people maintain a living wage and be able to stay in their home country of Mexico. So um, I just wanted to shout out that after this, go have a cup of Cafe Justo coffee. But I, I'm ad-libbing now. I was listening um, to the information about Tyree um, and the violence that occurred. And Ben Crump, who many of you see on the news, was calling out culture. Let's call out culture. Call out the culture. He kept repeating it over and over. And he was speaking about calling out the culture of violence and hate. I want to call out the culture of love because that's what this church is about, the culture of love. And all of you call it out all the time, and I think that should be our mantra. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Carol. And now standing or sitting, we're going to sing hymn 721. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Martha, you got that? 1, 2, and 3. Let's join together.
Our annual meeting does begin immediately following worship. So following the postlude, you're welcome to, as Rob said, grab a quick cup of coffee and come back or just remain seated. If you're looking for your younger kids, they are going to be out on the playground. Our nursery attendant, Nuha Bear, will be out there with them. Um, so you can get them from the playground, or if you want to stay for the meeting, they'll be fine out there with Muha Bear. And now, as we go from this place or remain in this place, Know that the love of God, our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, goes with us now and always. Amen.